Well, again, good morning. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for today. I pray, Lord, that our attitude, our minds today would be permeated with gratitude towards you. God, there are so, so, so many things to be thankful for. And even in the things that we aren't thankful for, we know that you will turn them into good. Like Joseph said to his brothers in Egypt, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So Lord, even the bad things in our life, we know that you will transform them into good things. And we come here today to praise you and to worship you and to celebrate you today. That you're not a God that's far away, but that you're a God who's closer than our nearest breath. And that God, you're the God who's with us and you're the God who's within us. And when we believe in you, we become a temple that you live in. Lord God, I pray we wouldn't take that for granted. Lord, you have something to say to each and every one of us today. You have a word to speak into our lives. I pray, Lord, that you will speak through me, through your word. Lord, I pray that you would point us to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, I guess it got cut off the little worship guide that I printed out. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you like I tell you every week. Our passage that we're in today is in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56. So again, that's Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 50. Oh, it made it in there? Oh, good. So Luke 8, 40 through 56. Okay. Now it says, When Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter your faith has healed you go in peace while jesus was still speaking someone came from the house of jairus the synagogue leader your daughter is dead he said don't bother the teacher anymore hearing this jesus said to jairus don't be afraid just believe and she will be healed 
When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Well, we're going through the book of Luke, and we're in a series called Encounters with Jesus, and we're going through the book of Luke so that as we read about these various encounters that people had with Jesus in the book of Luke, we too might have an encounter with Jesus. So we're in the book of Luke, and as we've been in the book of Luke, have you ever wondered who Luke is? Who is Luke? Have you ever wondered what Luke did? Well, thankfully, we know what Luke did, partly because the Apostle Paul mentions Luke later on in his letters, and he mentions that Luke is a doctor. Did you know that Luke was a doctor? Well, he was. Luke was a doctor who's writing this. Now, look, we've all been to a doctor before, right? What happens when you go to a doctor and they're not able to help you with whatever it is that you're having a problem with? What do they do? Do they say, sorry, you're out of luck? No. They say, well, this isn't necessarily my area of expertise, my specialty, but I can refer you to someone who can help you, right? When a doctor can't help you, they refer you to someone who can help you in the way that you need help. So look, Luke, in his gospel account, he mentions tons and tons and tons of accounts of Jesus healing people. Not just healing people, but miraculously healing people. Healing people in ways that nobody else could heal them. Why is Luke showing us so many accounts of people being healed? Well, for two reasons. Number one, he's trying to show us that Jesus is a doctor. Jesus is a doctor. Or you could say the great physician. Or you could say a healer. Whatever word you want to use. The point is, Luke is trying to show us that Jesus is a fellow healer. But number two, he's showing us that Jesus is the healer we need. The healer, the doctor that we truly need. So, what is Luke doing by showing us the healing ministry of Jesus? He's referring us to Jesus. He's saying, look, reader, I can't help you with what you truly need help with, but I can point you to a doctor who can truly heal you in the way that you need to be healed. He's saying that when you encounter Jesus, you encounter healing that nobody else can provide. So, look, what does Luke show us in this passage about the healing that we need? Well, he shows us why we need healing. He shows us where we find healing. And he shows us how we receive healing. Those are our three sermon points today. Why we need healing, where we find healing, how we receive healing. So the first one, why we need healing. Why do we need healing? 
Look, we're talking about doctors. When you go to a doctor, you're admitting something, right? You're admitting that you're broken. I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, but when you sit down in the doctor's office, they ask you, what's wrong? They're assuming something's wrong. They're assuming that something's broken. Something's not quite right. You need to be restored. You need to be made whole. You need to be healed. You need to be fixed. Anybody who goes to a doctor is admitting, I'm broken. So there's two people in our passage today that go to Jesus for healing. One of them is Jairus, the synagogue leader, who's going to Jesus because his daughter is dying. And one of the people that goes to Jesus is a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and goes to Jesus because she's been bleeding. Now on the outside looking in, there are two totally different people who are broken. But I'm going to argue that they're both broken in the same way, even though they both look different. What about the two of them is broken? Their heart. Their heart is broken. You may say, Cody, how do you get that out of this passage? Well, stick with me. Let me explain. It's kind of easy for me to explain why Jairus would be broken hearted, right? His 12-year-old daughter is on her deathbed. So you can easily imagine why he would be brokenhearted. This wealthy, uh, notable synagogue leader has been driven down to his knees, wailing, pleading, crying, please, Jesus, heal my daughter. He's brokenhearted. We can see that. But the, the woman who's been bleeding, that's a little bit harder for us to see. Why would she be brokenhearted? Well, keep in mind, she's been bleeding how long? Twelve years. Okay, think about this. In the Old Testament, in the law, there's a bunch of hygiene codes, right? And according to these hygiene codes, for a woman who is on her period, a woman who is bleeding, during that time, she is ceremonially unclean, which means she can't be a part of of the worshiping community. She can't go to the temple and celebrate with everybody and worship with anybody. The bed that she lies on is considered unclean and anyone who touches it or who touches her or who she touches is unclean. So for her, how long did she bleed? 12 years. Every time she went outside, she had to announce, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Don't touch me. Should, could she go and worship with her community? No. Should, could she go and touch people? No. We were in quarantine for a year. She was in quarantine for 12 years. She is broken hearted. In this passage, we see two people who are broken hearted for different reasons. One, for death. One, for isolation. What causes death? What causes isolation? Sin. Sin is the underlying problem to all of this. It's what causes death. It's what causes our problem. Look, what I'm saying is they are broken people and because they're, they're broken people because they're broken hearted people and they're broken hearted people because they live in a broken world. Look, things are not 
the way that they were meant to be. And that's why those two were not the way they were meant to be. And that's why we can also say that we're broken and we're not the way that we're meant to be. We're broken. We need healing, right? Jesus, I mean, think about in the book of John. What happened in the book of John? We see something similar to this. When Martha and Mary, they're sisters, right? Their brother is Lazarus, and Lazarus is dying, so they call for Jesus to come and heal their brother. And Jesus doesn't make it in time. By the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus, you didn't make it in time. What happens when Jesus gets there? Well, in John chapter 11, verse 32 through 35, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Jesus was brokenhearted. Jesus was sad. Now, okay, I'm pretty sure you're all familiar with that story already. What happened next? What happened after that? Not a long time from them, but what happened immediately? Just minutes later, Jesus called Lazarus out from the tomb and Lazarus was risen from the dead. So, if Jesus was just minutes away from raising Lazarus from the dead, why would Jesus weep? Why would Jesus cry? It tells us why. It says Jesus looked out at everybody weeping, everybody crying, and Jesus wept. Why? Because when Jesus looked at the effects of sin, the effects that it causes, death and isolation, pain. He said, it was not meant to be this way. That doesn't mean he didn't know it would be this way, but he was saying, it's not supposed to be this way. This is not what God wants for his people, for his creation. It's broken. It needs to be healed. Look, we're broken in a way that we can't fix or heal on our own. And if we are broken in a way that none of us can fix on our own, what do we need? Someone who can heal us. But what do the Psalms say about God? In Psalm 147, verse 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And look, this, what the Psalms just talked about, healing the brokenhearted and binding up the wounds, this is what Jairus and the woman who, were, who was bleeding experienced in this passage. Why? Because they found the doctor who could actually heal them. Look, we need the doctor they had. And the good news is we have the doctor they had. So, why do we need healing? Well, simply put, we're broken. We're broken. But the next question is, where do we find healing? Where do we find healing? Well, look, both Jairus and the woman knew where to go for healing. 
they went to Jesus hoping that Jesus could heal them. I mean, Jairus, last week we talked about Jesus being off in a Gentile country, off on that boat. So all these people, while Jesus was, you know, we don't know where he is, but he's off there expecting him to come back. Jairus is waiting for Jesus to come back. And this woman, she goes out not knowing, hey, Jesus is going to be here, but I'm looking for Jesus. And they found Jesus. And when they found Jesus, Jesus healed the both of them. But what I want you to notice in both cases is that Jesus was not flippant when he healed them, or Jesus was not dismissive when he healed them. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Jesus didn't let them stay on the sidelines when he healed them. Jesus made sure they were front and center. For Jairus, Jairus, no, don't stay outside. Come inside and see me heal your daughter. This woman wanted to crawl away. No, no, stay here. Come forward. Tell everybody what you did. What happened? Is Jesus trying to humiliate her? No, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to say, good, you depended on me this time. What I want you to do from now on is depend on me forever. But you won't depend on me in the future until you're absolutely sure of what I did just now. In other words, I won't be the source of your healing in the future unless you're absolutely sure that I was the source of your healing right now, that I'm where healing comes from. And when we know that Jesus is, has been the source of our healing in the past, we can have faith that he will always be our source of healing in the present and in the future. Now, I don't know if any of you watched the NBA Finals this year. Um, I did, and it was kind of, you know, kind of some boring teams, the Suns versus the Bucks. So, but I still watched it, and one of the coaches for the Suns, his, his name is Monty Williams. And Monty Williams, uh, it turns out his wife passed away in a car accident in 2016. And Monty Williams, the coach for the Suns, he actually gave the eulogy for his wife at her funeral. And with a bunch of NBA superstars present at the church, at the funeral, Monty Williams didn't display defeat. He displayed incredible faith. And I want to read you just one of the things that he said when he gave the eulogy for his wife. He said, and keep in mind, he's talking about his wife being dead. He said, all of this will work out. As hard as this is for me and my family and for you, this will work out. I know this because I've seen this in my life. And he said, see, back in 1990 at the University of Notre Dame, I had a doctor look me in the face and say, you're going to die if you keep playing basketball. And I had testing done and test after test shipping me all over the place to try to figure out a way for me to play. And it didn't work out. And I kept that from my wife, Ingrid. She knew I was having some tests done, but she didn't know the severity of the situation. So my career was over at the age of 18. We had a press conference and I left the press conference by myself and I went to her dorm room and I told her what happened. And the very next words out of her mouth after we cried a little bit, she said, 
Honey, Jesus can heal your heart. And I'm evidence that God can work it out. Now, that was in 1990. Fast forward it to 2016, and the very same person who said Jesus can heal your broken heart has now been killed in a car accident, and Monty Williams is brokenhearted. But he says this will work out. Why did he say that? How could he be so sure that he was going to be healed, that his heart was going to be healed? Because, look, the same God who healed his broken heart in 1990, he was confident would heal his broken heart in 2016. In other words, because he knew the source of his healing in the past, he knew he could depend on him in the present and in the future. That's what Jesus wants from us. Not to go to him just once and then to slip away and never to go to him again. No, to go to him once and time and time again, always. Look, what did, what did Jesus want with Jairus and this woman? Most of us, when we ask, what does Jesus want? And most of us, when we talk about what Jesus wants, we think, well, Jesus just wants me to change my religion. He just wants me to be a Christian. In other words, he just wants me to say all the right things about him, to know all the right things about him, to be baptized, to go to church. Look, those things are awesome. Those things are great. But that's not just what Jesus wants. He doesn't just want a religion. What Jesus wants more than anything is a relationship. He wanted a relationship with Jairus. He wanted a relationship with this woman. And that's why he wouldn't let them stay on the sidelines. That's why he pulled them to him front and center. What's the difference between a religion about Jesus and a relationship with Jesus? Look, a religion is knowing things about Jesus. And that is great. We need to know things about Jesus. It's important that we do know things about Jesus. But a relationship is depending on Jesus. Do you see that? And look, if we just have a religion about Jesus, but not a relationship with Jesus, how are we any different than the crowds surrounding Jesus. They bumped into Jesus. They knew things about Jesus. They surrounded Jesus. They came into contact with Jesus. But the only people who experienced Jesus the way that Jairus and this woman experienced him were the ones that depended on him, the ones that had a relationship with him. Look, when you have a relationship with someone, you go to them over and over and over again. And this is what Jesus wants from you, to go to him over and over and over again. Look, he is the one who can heal your broken heart and only those in a relationship with him get to experience that. So this passage, it shows us why we need healing. We're broken. Where do we find healing? Jesus. But now the question is, how do we receive healing? How do we receive healing from Jesus? Well, thankfully, Jesus told us exactly how we can receive this healing. In verse 50, what did he say? 
don't be afraid. Just believe. And she will be killed. Why did Jesus say that? Because someone has just come up to Jairus and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter has died. So what was the temptation for Jairus? The temptation was to let fear overwhelm him, let anxiety take over, and draw away and hold back from Jesus. And Jesus said, no, don't hold back, don't go away. Come here, stay with me, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. Why did, what is, what does this have to do with anything? Why would Jesus say, don't be afraid? Because fear causes us to hold back from Jesus. Faith, on the other hand, causes us to reach out to Jesus. Do you see that? And look, Jesus doesn't want us to hold back from him. Think about what Mark says. In the book of Mark, Jesus, coincidentally, right after Mark talks about this same event, when Jesus healed these two people, it says that Jesus went to his hometown, Nazareth. And what happened? Well, in Mark chapter 6, verse 5 through 6, it says, Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So what happened? Jesus just did these miraculous miracles and then he goes to his hometown and he can't do any miracles. Is this just a reflection of how good of a healer Jesus is? No. This is a reflection of how much they're holding back from Jesus. What do the people of Nazareth prove to us? They prove to us, and I know this sounds kind of extreme, they prove to us that Jesus cannot heal what you hold back from him. If you hold it back from him, he can't heal it. Look, all of you know that in April, I had uh, surgery for an inguinal hernia. And, you know, when I went to get it checked out by the surgeon, uh, and she examined it, she said, you know, this is swollen. It's only going to get more and more swollen unless you have surgery. Well, I never had surgery before, but, okay, if that's what it takes, then I guess I'll have to have surgery. And, it, you know, it, great, I'm having surgery, but every day I got closer to the surgery, every day it seemed more real, I started to feel a little bit more and more fear. I wasn't terrified, I wasn't paralyzed, but at the same time, especially the night before, then it became really real. I'm, I'm going to lay down on an operating table tomorrow, be cut open. That's weird to me. That's kind of scary. But, you know, what did I do? April 6th, I went to the surgeon. I laid down. I put that little gown on. I laid down on the operating table. Eventually, thankfully, passed out. And then, of course, I woke up and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, I, that was one of my fears. I wouldn't pass out, but that didn't come to pass. Thank God. But I woke up, and, and it was a hard road to recovery. But, you know, for the most part, I've recovered. You know, 
that problem that I had is healed. But what if April 6th I woke up and said, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not having surgery. I'm too scared. I refuse. I'm holding back. Guess what? It doesn't matter how good my surgeon is unless I show up to the operating table. If I hold myself back from my surgeon, my surgeon can't heal me. And whatever you hold back from Jesus, he can't heal. He can't help you with. Do you see that? That's why you need to not draw back in fear, but reach out to him in faith. Give him everything. Don't hold anything back from him. Look, what is Jesus asking us to do? He's asking us to go to him. He's asking us to, like we sang about earlier, lean on him. He's asking us to trust him. He's asking us to reach out to him. And Peter, the apostle Peter, actually tells us what that looks like, how to do that. 1 Peter 5, 7, one of my favorite verses, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Don't hold anything back, but give him everything. Why? Because he cares for you. In other words, Peter is saying, you can trust in the healing of Jesus because you can trust in the heart of Jesus. Do you see that? You can trust your surgeon. You can trust your doctor. He wants what's best for you. He wants what's good for you. He'll always do what's right by you. You can bring everything to him. This passage shows us that Jesus is the only one who can turn death into a nap. But we won't experience that unless we reach out to him in faith. Look, the good news of the gospel, do you want to hear what it is? This is the good news of the gospel. We can reach out and touch God. Whoa! That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. We can reach out and touch God. How? Why? Look at verse 54. Jesus went to the home of Jairus. When he went inside, he went to the bedside of the little girl who laid motionless, white, pale, dead. It says, he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. And she did. Look. And this woman who was bleeding for 12 years reached out for Jesus. Why was it that she wasn't just reaching in a thin air? Why was it that she could touch Jesus? Because Jesus had come to her. Why was it that this little girl could be touched by God's hands? Because God's hands were reaching out to touch her. Do you see that? This is the good news of the gospel. We can reach out and touch God because in Jesus, God has reached out to touch us. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy, but that's true. That's what the gospel is telling us. Now, here's the question. 
So what? So what if God touches us? So what if we can touch God? What's the significance of a touch? Well, think about it. I want you to think about what happens when we touch each other. Through touch, you can show someone that you're there in two different ways. So the first way, when you touch someone, you can show that you're there with them. So think about the times that we touch each other. Your kid scores a goal in soccer. You high-five them. Yay, good job. You meet someone for the first time. You shake their hand. Um, Someone that you haven't seen in a long time, you've missed them, so you hug them. Someone who is incredibly sad, what do you do? You put your hand on their shoulder. What does that mean? When you touch someone, you're saying, I'm there with you. I'm there with you in your joy. I'm there with you in your celebration. And I'm there with you in your pain. And I'm there with you in your sadness. But look, when you touch someone, you're not just saying, I'm there with you. You're saying, I'm there for you. So let me display for you what I'm talking about. Larry, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to use you as a little example. Let's say that you've just had the worst day of your entire life. You're incredibly sad. I passed by, and I've had the best day of my entire life. Woohoo! I'm happy, and you're sad. If I come up to you and you say, Cody, I'm having the worst day of my entire life. My dog just died. What, what do I do? I say, Larry, I'm, I'm so sorry. What am, I, what am I doing? I'm showing that I'm not just there with you. I'm there for you. And what happens when I do this? Yeah, it makes you feel better. Look, the power in me goes into you. On the other hand, me, I was having such a good day. Now, I'm sad with you. But it's okay, because you're worth it to me. I'm here for you. Your weakness, your sadness, I'm taking it into me. But my strength and my power, it's going into you. And Jesus, when he touched people, what was he saying? He was saying, I'm there with you, and I'm there for you. It's okay if you're weak. I'll be your strength. I'll be weak so that you can be strong. Look, think about it. What did Jesus do in verse 46 after this woman touched him? I love the way that the message, when I read the message translation of this, I almost fell out of my chair because I thought, whoa, I didn't think about it like this until I read this translation. But in the message translation of verse 46, after this woman touched Jesus, Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples denied it, and Peter said, Jesus, what are you talking about? We're essentially in Times Square. We're being pressed so much, we're almost suffocating. Of course people touched you, but Jesus said, I felt power leave me. The message translation says, Jesus insisted, someone touched me. I felt power discharging from me. Whoa, do you, do you get that? Do you see what's going on here? What was this woman's problem? She had a discharge of blood. When she touched Jesus, what did he say? I felt power discharging from me. 
Look, when she went up to Jesus, she was weak. Imagine if you'd been bleeding for 12 years. Imagine if you'd been quarantined for 12 years. You would be weak. But when she touched Jesus, her weakness went into him so that his power could go into her. And that could only happen through touch. Look, Jesus is not just with us. He's for us. And he takes on our weakness to give us strength. And Jesus doesn't just do that. Then he can do that for us now. How? Why? Because he went to the cross for us. That is how and why he can do what he did for them for us. Look, why did Jesus need to go to the cross? That's the question that we ask. Why was that necessary? What I want you to see is that this woman that was bleeding for 12 years, he healed her. She stopped bleeding. But you know what? She would bleed again. Do you realize that? She would. This little girl that he rose from the dead, yay, she's alive. But you know what? She would die again. So Jesus healed them. But he didn't heal the thing that caused the pain in the first place. What did we say was underneath all of the pain and heartbreak and suffering and death and isolation in the world? Sin. Sin. Jesus had to go to the cross to heal what was underneath all of that pain. And that's why Jesus was moving steadily every single day, incrementally, closer and closer and closer to the cross. Look, if you don't understand what Jesus was doing on the cross, why he went to the cross, I don't think there's a better verse in the Bible that explains it than 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see that? God was taking our sin onto himself, our sin, our death, our weakness onto him so that his strength, his power, his righteousness could go into us, just like his power went into the people that he healed. And look, because Jesus bled on the cross, we can know that one day we will never bleed again. Because Jesus died on the cross, we can know that one day death will be dead. Look, Jesus is the only doctor who can and who will take your disease onto himself so that you can be free from it forever. What does that show you about him? Does, doesn't that show you how much he cares about you, how much he loves you? Look, why would you hold back from this doctor? Why would you hold back from this physician? No, don't hold back from him. Go to him. Give him everything. Bring all of yourself to him because he's brought all of himself to you. Look, 
you can reach out to God for healing because on the cross, God's hands were literally reaching out to heal you. And that healing is available when? Today. Today is the day of salvation. Go to him today. Look, whatever it is you are facing, whatever it is you have done, whatever it is you are going through, Jesus has a message for you today. Don't be afraid. Just believe in you will be healed. Let's pray. Lord, you are the great physician. You're the good doctor. God, how crazy and foolish and insane it is for us to not go to you when you've come all this way just to come to us. God, you didn't look at the barrier standing between us, the cross, and say, they're not worth it. No, Lord, you said, they're more than worth it. Lord God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that you held nothing back from us. And so, Lord, I pray that because of that, we'll hold nothing back from you. We'll give you everything. Lord, because you've given us everything. Lord, we are broken. We're hurting people. God, I pray that today and every day, we'll surrender ourselves. Well, like Paul said, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar of our faith, which is our spiritual act of worship. In other words, Paul's saying that we'll give everything to you because you've given everything to us, Lord. You gave us your own son. How will you not with him give us all things, Lord? And through your son, you defeat death, isolation, sadness, pain. And even though we experience those things, a little bit now, we know that just as Jesus came back to heal us, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to heal our broken world, our broken bodies, our broken minds, our broken spirits, Lord God. But Lord, in the meantime, I pray, Lord, that we will go to you for healing until our entire world is healed. We find our healing in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.